I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with Shaniqua McClendon, the political director for Cricket Media, the media company behind the incredibly popular podcast, Pod Save America. We talk about one of Cricket Media's more recent initiatives, Vote Save America, which is a project that supports progressive causes through fundraising and by encouraging their listeners to volunteer. Votes of America has been wildly successful. They've raised millions and they've encouraged tens of thousands of their listeners to volunteer. And Shaniqua joins me to discuss exactly how they did it. We also discuss how her career path led her to Cricket Media. And lastly, we talk about her feelings about the upcoming general election. This was a really fun conversation and an inspiring one. So without further ado, here is Shaniqua McClendon. Shaniqua McClendon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So tell me, how did you come to work for Cricket Media? Because I think that I read that you were doing something completely different before. You were working at the Obama administration and just kind of on a different path. Yeah, so it's um, this story always, it just was so simple um, how I got here that it doesn't even make sense. But I was in graduate school. Um, I started in 2016 and my whole plan was to get out of politics completely. Um, I had been burnt out working on Capitol Hill and you know, I just wanted to make some money for once. You do not get get paid a lot working <laughs> on the Hill. Um, and I started graduate school in fall of 2016. So my first semester, Donald Trump won. And I just knew that I couldn't get out of politics. I felt like I had developed this skill set. And I would feel I would go crazy if I was not using it to help get him out of office four years later. And so now we're finally four years later. Um, but you know, as I was trying to discover what I wanted to do after school, I knew I wanted to get a bit away from policy, uh, not because I don't like it. I love policy, but I realized working on the Hill that if you don't have the right politicians in place, those policies are never going to be enacted. So, um, you know, I thought, okay, where can I go that will allow me to help elect good, good elected officials? And so I told my friend that I either wanted to work at a media company or a company that had a lot of um, name recognition and could use their influence to increase civic engagement. And so I I told her this when she asked me what I wanted to do after school. And then she sent me uh, the political director job here at Crooked and said, oh, like this. And I said, like literally this job. Um, So I applied to it, um, had a few interviews. And then after graduation, I moved out here to start the job. Wow. Well, that's an incredible story. That's, that's incredible. I mean, it's funny. I was listening to you. And we kind of had the exact opposite kind of path because I was in an industry where I was making money. I had a salary. And then, you know, after Trump won, I decided to change my trajectory. There were a couple of other steps in between that. Mm-hmm. And so I went fully in that direction. And now I don't have a salary. So oh, that is the opposite direction. <laughs> it's the opposite. And I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know, we're down to the wire with the election. And I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, I haven't done enough. I'm feeling guilty. And they were like, well, you kind of gave up your job. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did do that. Yeah, that is a big thing. <laughs> What's it like there? I've always wondered, you know, when Crooked Media started, it feels like the energy there is kind of like the early days of a startup, you know, like Twitter or something. There's skateboards and foosball tables. Is it anything like that? <laughs> um, that is funny you say that. Um, you know, I only spent one day in the old office, but the old <laughs> office was nothing like, uh, well, you know, I don't know what those startups look like, but ours had, the bathroom was in the kitchen. Oh no, God. And then you could not use the bathroom while the guys were recording because you would hear the toilet flush in the, in the studio. So, and I heard stories about, about mice. And so it was definitely like, we are just getting our bearings, but you know, again, I only spent one day there and then we were moving over to the new office and 
our new office is beautiful. Um, we're all now working from home, but um, you know, we were starting to like finally fill it up. Yeah, it's just you know, it's a really chill vibe. I mean, as chill as you can be working on politics. Um, I you know, coming from DC where every day you know you had on like a suit or you were dressed formally. You can wear t-shirts and shorts to the office, always, you know, at least three to five dogs running around the office. So, you know, we, you know, we watch things together. Some things are funny and tragic at the same time, like watching Trump give a speech. But then, you know, we all watch the Brett Kavanaugh hearings together and, you know, no parts of that were fun or um, entertaining in any way. But I think being able to do all those things um, and, you know, they're important to our work. But just being able to do all those things together has been great. And specifically for me, I'm used to being on the East Coast with people who I lived in D.C. for seven years. So with people who care deeply about politics and that is not, you know, what's happening in L.A. at large. It's um, it's an entertainment industry town. So it's nice to have that space at work where we can all come together and kind of obsess about these things. Yeah, that does sound nice. Actually, you know, I'm on the West Coast and, you know, this I'm not in California. I'm in Seattle where it's a tech town. So it's not quite the entertainment industry, but there is kind of the separation of, you know, what people are thinking about all the time. And, and I think it must be comforting to be around people who are seeing and talking about and worried about some of the same things. It must ease your anxiety to some extent, I'd imagine. Yeah. And they don't think I'm crazy when I'm like, <laughs> my boss always brings this up. I hadn't even been at working at Crooked that long, but we had this big map up of all the competitive um, districts uh, in 2018. And I was just looking at North Carolina and I just was, what did I say? Something about like, I've been waiting years for this moment because <laughs> my, in 2014, my then boss, Senator Kay Hagan, uh, she lost her reelection to Tom Tillis, who is now up for re-election this year. It looks like he's going to lose. Um, I won't go on my whole rant about how awful Tom Tillis is, but mm-hmm. I have literally been waiting since the moment she gave her concession speech to to have the opportunity to help people get him out of office. So yeah, you know, they laughed, but no one, everyone understood where I was coming from. Wow. Wow. You know, that's amazing because, you know, I was going to ask you about that, those early days, because it started off as a podcast, you know, and yeah, and I didn't know that the kitchen or the bathroom were kind of in the same room. It sounds like my setup right now, actually. So they, they've grown past where I am right now. But um, when, when did that evolution, how did it happen from, you know, Cricket Media or Pod Save America to, you know, we want to do something bigger? Were you a part of that evolution or do you know how that happened to, I guess, now Vote Save America? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I would say that the evolution started before I got there, but that evolution is why I got hired. During one of my interviews with Fabro, he said, you know, I never thought we were going to have to hire for this position, but they realized that they had grown this huge audience who wanted to do things. And so in 2017, they put out a call to action for people to call their members of Congress to to vote against the repeal for the Affordable Care Act. And people did it. And they ended up jamming up the switchboards on Capitol Hill. And so I think that was like a really good indication that, you know, if, if they told the audience what actions to take to have an impact, that people would actually do it and there could be an impact. You know, we saw in the Senate, uh, uh, that bill go down. And fortunately, not, repeal of the Affordable Care Act did not happen. And so um, when I came on, um, we were getting very close to the midterms. And I was supposed to figure out a way that we could harness all this energy within our audience 
to have an impact on the election, which Vote Save America was the program that we did that through. So Vote Save America was the first uh, big project that I worked on. And my boss pretty much said, you know, is there a place where people can get all the information they need to vote and find out, you know, where they can volunteer? And, you know, that didn't exist. And so she said, okay, do you think we should build it? Or should we like, contract it out and get someone else to build it. And for whatever reason, I said, it can't be that hard. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> and um, it was not easy. Um, oh. we, I mean, we had so many late nights and, you know, you realize that access to information about voting is not that accessible. Fortunately for us, this is what we were spending our time on. But I spent a lot of time calling Secretary of State's offices to clarify what was on their website because it didn't match up. And I remember one state in particular I was very thorough in like cross-checking and linking everything uh, from the sources that I pulled it from. And I pulled information from their site and I used it to populate our site. And someone reached out and said, hey, you have the wrong information on your site about my state. And I sent him the link and said, I got this directly from the Secretary of State's website. And then a little bit later, I got an email from that Secretary of State saying, you know, from the department saying, hey, we just um, clarified some information on our site. Um, it might be more helpful if you update yours based on this new, the new phrasing they had on their site. And so, you know, I, I was getting paid to do that work, but there are so many voters out there who are just trying to find information to vote and don't have time to, you know, call the Secretary of State to make sure the information that is listed is correct. So now I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but um, uh, yeah, that's what Vote Save America is. And it's evolved. Um, you know, in 2018, we actually, you know, the program only ran for two and a half months in 2018. And we raised $2.7 million for house races and filled wow. about 23,000 volunteer shifts. So that let us know that if we, and we did this in 2020, if we actually, you know, use the whole runway we have up to this election, we can have a huge impact. Um, and we've seen that uh, with our programs that we're running this year. Wow, that's incredible. Two months. And you said how many? 22,000 volunteers? Um, well, we filled that many shifts. Um, I, many sh yeah, I think some folks were volunteering more than once. But yeah, we were able to fill that many shifts. <laughs> Well, but I do have to go back. So you like I didn't realize you were that hands on, like you were actually populating the website like with your hands. Oh, yes. And fixing <laughs> typos. Yes, I was in it. I learned a lot. Um, and this year we, you know, we worked with uh, a website developer to put the site together and it looks 10 times better this year. Um, Wait, just this year you got a developer? You could have called me. I would have done that for you. <laughs> ah, man, had we known. <laughs> Wow. So I was looking at Vote Save America. Is it votesaveamerica.com or .org? .com. I think .org might redirect, but um, .com is the actual website. So I was looking at votesaveamerica.com and you do, you have a lot of information. You can, you can register, you can see if you're registered, you can check, you know, your polling location, you know, how to vote by mail, all this stuff. But I do have to say that I was clicking around and it's really useful. It was really useful to me. I found stuff that I didn't know about. Um, but I clicked on the link that said the candidates and I said, oh, you know, what's that? And so, so I clicked on it. And so you've got this page where you're comparing, you know, tr one column with Trump's policies mm -hmm. and then one column with Biden's policies. Now, come on. You know, Trump does not have any policies. <laughs> um, we <laughs> I think we try to uh, <laughs> demonstrate that in the most generous way possible. <laughs> There are a few. I think the climate change one, that one is just like, there's nothing here. 
Um, but you know, our hope is we are who we are and a lot of people know who we are and that we support, um, progressive candidates, but we, you know, if someone does, a lot of people have found Vote Save America, not through crooked media. So they're not really familiar with, um, who we are. Um, and so we do hope that if someone lands on the page, they can at least, you know, see that the alternative is presented. Um, although it is presented in the way that we see it. Yeah. So if, you know, people who are listening, if you want to laugh, you know, because things are a bit, you know, kind of you know tense right now, go to votesaveamerica.com and click on that link. <laughs> you will get a, it, it will be entertaining. So I just want to add that. Um, but one of the things I noticed that you do partner with people now, mm-hmm. I think I saw that you're partnering with vote.org. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess you're pulling what what data are you pulling from there and, and have the partnerships helps, you know, ease your burden a bit. Oh, yeah. Our partnerships are central to all of our work. Um, In 2018, most of our partnerships were technology partnerships. So we did work with uh, Vote.org to help people verify their uh, registration or to get registered. And we worked with Mobilize, which is an event aggregator uh, for progressive organizations and candidates. And so when you came to our website, uh, we had Mobilize integrated into it. You could type in your zip code and see what volunteer events were closest to you. But now we've actually expanded our work to include a lot of grassroots, local grassroots progressive organizations. In 2018, we worked directly with a lot of campaigns, but campaigns can't win on their own. A lot of, and you know, campaigns don't exist all the time. A lot of the organizations that we've been fortunate to work with this year, they exist all the time. And even when elections are not going on, they are doing the power building and the community building. And what we were able to do was kind of come in and help, you know, give volunteers and money to the work that they were already doing so that they could integrate more electoral work into the work that they're already doing. But something that I just believe so strongly, I I spent seven years in D.C. and something I always heard from people who were doing work outside of D.C. is why is D.C. always telling us what to do? Like we live here. We know what is best to do. And that has just stayed with me. So as we've worked with these organizations, we have trusted their process and just know that we can bring resources to help uh, bolster the work that they're doing. And that is um, what drives a lot of our partnerships. And I I just can't wait until the election is over so we can see the impact that these groups have had, because I think so many of them have been discounted for not, you know, looking at this poll or this data that has come out of some think tank in Washington, D.C., but the truth of the matter is they know their people, they know what's happening on the ground and they know what the needs are and are best poised to respond to them. Um, But so, yeah, we work with a ton of people and uh, they're all great and Vote Save America would not exist without them. Yeah. You know, and I still can't get over the fact that you only did this for a couple of months in 2018 (laughs) and you had that impact because like you raised millions, right? And it was like, wow, that's amazing. I like your point about the fact that you're in DC and I hear this a lot too. People saying like, my state is my state. I understand my state, you know, don't, don't direct us. Is that what your adopt a state program was about? And you know, what, what is that? And what was that intended to do? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the whole idea behind Adopt a State, even before coronavirus started impacting the election, was we recognized that our audience mostly existed in these really blue places. But, um, you know, in 2018, you could pretty much live anywhere and have a close congressional a house, uh, a house race near you that you could help flip a seat. In 2020, Uh, the Senate and the White House were um, kind of the big priorities. And unfortunately, there are only a handful of states where you can actually tip uh, control of the Senate and control of the White House. So 
a lot of our audience does not live in those states. So we wanted to funnel their energy and enthusiasm into those states, uh, which is why we created the Adopt-A-State program. People from anywhere could volunteer in these states that would determine who controls the Senate and who controls uh, the White House. Uh, and then when the pandemic hit, at that point, everyone was looking for a remote volunteer program that they could plug into. But similar to what I just said, um, so every week we send out an email with a very specific call to action that people can take. So it might be making a contribution, participating in a text bank or participating in a phone bank. And you're calling a certain uh, you know, group of voters. Earlier on, you might be calling voters to just see you know what their concerns were and like what they wanted to see in a candidate and now that we're getting closer to the election we're calling and texting folks to make sure they actually have everything they need to vote make a plan and get out and vote but uh every call to action that we've sent to our volunteers has been sourced from an organization that um that works in the state and so we we really just wanted to provide volunteers and dollars to the work that they were already doing. So they are telling us what they need. And that is what we are making ask for um, from our audience, um, just to, again, drive the work that they're already doing. And we've had over 300,000 people sign up for, for that program. So it's like, it's just, it's this, you know, little baby that has grown. And I think it's done more than we ever anticipated it doing. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorites. I signed up for Adopt-A-State because I live in one of those safe blue areas in Seattle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, you always feel kind of helpless. Yeah. So and one of the things I noticed about this program is that I think you said in the data that I read um, that women were leading in terms of participation, right? Is mm-hmm. that, that true? And like, and why? Why? I mean, women are great, but but why is that happening? Um, You know, I I think it's just like how it normally is. Women typically yeah. step up to fix the problems um, that are facing our country. And yeah, I mean, even most of the organizations that we've been um, working with are led by women. There are some great men uh, doing this work as well. But I think women are just so in tune with um, with fixing problems. We'll see what happens with the actual election. But I specifically think that... Um, there was a lot of conversation around uh, 53% of white women voting for Donald Trump in 2016. And I think that that 43% that didn't, I think a lot of them have realized, oh, okay, it's not enough to just vote. I have to actually do some work to bring some more people along with me. And then as we typically see with women of color, particularly black women, um, they're just doing what they always do. I think the the, the intensity has been turned up more, uh, but just generally women women always step up. And, you know, another part of this is like a majority of our audience is women. But I just think that um, we've attracted the people who are used to figuring out what they need to do to have an impact and taking the action to do that and then showing up uh, to actually do it. Well, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think you can see that energy and a lot of other things, you know, the record number of women running for office, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think it's all related. So, wow, that's really interesting. Um, another initiative that I that I saw under Vote Save America that I was really interested in and I didn't quite understand because I didn't do it. Um, I didn't go through the process. It's build your own ballot. Now, oh, yeah. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> I just got my ballot in the mail over the weekend because, you know, in Washington state, we do vote by mail all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was really long. And I thought, you know, <laughs> if I could build my own ballot, I would make it shorter and I would just put, you know, like. <laughs> 
Fair enough. And it's just so funny. I was looking at it and I was like, you know, trying to fill it out. Like late last night, I was up till midnight trying to figure it, you know, not figure it out, but fill yeah. it out. And like just under presidential, you know, the presidential slot, there's like, I don't know if yeah. you know this, but there's like six choices. Like there's there's libertarianism and then there's socialism <laughs> and libertarian. And then there's a guy named, did you know there's a guy named Spike running for president and a guy named Howie? Yeah, I learned that filling out my ballot, <laughs> which I, you know, I thought I was up on top. I would, I thought I was on top of all of this, and then I was like, oh, I guess I did not know everyone who was running. <laughs> so, what is build your own ballot? Yes, so um, you don't actually get to build it the way you want it to be built, um, but <laughs> we, um, it's our ballot tool. It, uh, if you you know, go to votesaveamerica.com slash um, ballot, you can um, type in your address and it will pull up your, a sample of your ballot. And so one of the things that we know is that a lot of people who don't vote are nervous that they're going to vote for the wrong thing and think it's safer to just not vote. Uh, and so we wanted to help fix that problem. So if you go to the ballot tool, you can see all of the candidates who are running. There's information about the candidates um, to help, you know, if you don't have the time to do a deep dive on all of these candidates. I mean, because some ballots, California's ballot is, is so long. And um, an another big part of that, which we have on this tool, are because of ballot initiatives. And so ballot initiatives are written in, you know, just in legal terminology. And, you know, I get it, they're laws. <laughs> um, and so they have to be written in a technical way. But most people do not spend their nights and, you know, days and nights reading policy. So a lot of these things don't translate into to just kind of plain language. So what we did for, there's over 120 statewide ballot initiatives. What we do is, you know, put them in layman's terms, but also say, so if you vote yes, this is what that means. And if you vote no, this is what this means. And so really it's to help people complete their ballot, um, but with all the information they need on the candidates and the ballot initiatives so that they're making educated and informed um, decisions on their ballot and not just kind of going in and, and you know, filling out what they know and leaving the rest to chance because so many down ballot races, they're so important, but people don't feel informed enough to participate in them. And then, you know, you get a lot of people in uh, local elected office and when things go wrong, you know, specifically thinking about the response to a lot of the police violence we've seen this year, these prosecutor um, elections and even sheriff elections and mayoral elections, um, you know, mayors uh, deciding who police chiefs are, all of those are really important. So we just wanted to make sure that people had all of the information they need. Also, you know, there's a lot of Supreme Court judge uh, elections this year, state Supreme Court elections. As redistricting is happening this year, those courts are going to be really important if uh, those maps are challenged after they come out. If they're challenged, these these judges are going to have a big say in, in what our districts look like for the next 10 years, which says that also dictates who's, who's in elected office. So we built this ballot tool so that people could feel more assured in the decisions they were making and have all the information in one place. That's perfect. I'm actually going to use that for my own ballot. Yeah, I need that because like you said, there's so many initiatives. And, you know, for me in our state, we always have mail-in ballots, mm -hmm. you know, not just because of the pandemic. You know, I usually have to spend a lot of time researching all of these initiatives and all of these seats that, that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Awesome. I hope it is as great as you need it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But so my favorite, and you know, last but not least, is Get Metro Die Trying. Like, who who thought of that name? <laughs> um, one of our uh, writers, he's like our head writer, so he's a comedy writer. Um, but yeah, we 
we always have these big brainstorms when we need to name something. Um, and so we're all sitting in a room and people are just throwing out different names. And, you know, at the time, I think we just wanted it to be like um, maybe Ditch Mitch, but that existed already. <laughs> right. um, and so that was like the obvious easy one. But, it, you know, I was like, no, someone already has that. So we're going to have to come up with something else. And so people are just throwing things around. And then he just said, get Mitch or die trying. And everyone was like, yes, that is it. Yeah. And, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And you know, I think I could say that we're so smart and all these other things. And that's why we've uh, been able to raise so much money with the fund. But I, I think part of it is definitely, we always tell our audience, like, we're going to tell you the most strategic thing you can do with your money. But um, I think that name is a big reason that people are drawn to it. You know, it's just, it's so catchy. And it's like, oh, that's good. That's really good. And uh, so I think that helped with the brand awareness. And then when um, when Justice Ginsburg passed away, people knew that a fund existed and they knew that it was going to be going to the most competitive races in the country that, you know, actually needed the funds. And they didn't have to do the legwork of like going to 14 different campaigns to donate or, um, you know, figuring out, oh, which one is competitive? We were able to say, hey, if you want your dollar to go the furthest, just donate right here. We'll split it up for you. And, you know, this may just be me, but I, I really do think that people knowing, okay, maybe I can only donate $20, that can feel like it's not going to do anything. But when you know, I can only donate $20, but so can all these other people. And if we do it together in this one fund, it will have a huge impact. I think people feel good about that. Um, you know, just like my coworkers, there were so many people that, that night and that weekend just watching the thermometer keep going up and up as people were donating. And it, as crazy as that weekend was, it was the only thing that kind of made me feel a little calm about everything that was happening. So it made you feel calmer. So how are you feeling now that we are, what, is it two weeks away? Are we like literally, how, how do literally. you feel? Are you nervous? <laughs> um, I, I have a lot of, a lot of emotions that um, sometimes coexist and sometimes push each other out of the way. Uh, I, but the thing, so generally I'm nervous. I, you know, 2016 happened. And so I will forever believe that anything is possible um, in politics. But one thing that has been so great about my job is that I've, I spend a lot of time talking to organizers and, and leaders on the ground in these states and so much work is happening. And it didn't just start this year. It started back in 2017, right after um, Trump won. And so I know that the landscape looks a lot different than it did in, in the lead up to the 2016 election. And that is the thing that is giving me hope. I, I won't get too optimistic because, again, anything can happen. And, you know, the polls, uh, I won't say the polls were wrong, but we were looking at the wrong kinds of polls uh, in 2016. And I think we've even corrected for that in the political space where you see a lot more state um, state-specific polls, because that with the Electoral College, it's going to come down to specific states. And um, we're not just looking at these national polls that really only give us an indication of the popular vote. So there is something in me that I'm trying to keep down, because it feels really good. I feel like things are going our way. I feel like we did all the work. We're continuing to do the work. And everything looks really nice. But I mm -hmm. just have been trying to keep that in a in a place that motivates me, but does not convince me that I don't need to do anymore. So I'm going to just keep pushing until, um, you know, that might be election day. It might be a couple weeks after election day. But until I know the outcomes, um, I'm just going to let that be a, a little bit of motivation. But um, yeah, 
just just keep moving. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are terrified of falling into complacency, you know, Mm -hmm. including myself, just because we see like how, you know, hurtful and painful that can be from 2016. And but I kind of feel the same way you do. I think, you know, and just listening to you and the conversation that we've had, like being close to people who are doing the work on the ground makes you feel a little bit better. Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to the co-founder of Black Voters Matter, you know, and they're doing this amazing work. Right. And, you know, Mm -hmm. talk to people from DLCC, you know, and Emily's list. And you see how passionate, you know, these people are and these women are and the work that they're doing on the ground. It does make you feel like, you know, how how can we not succeed? You know, Um, and then just you talking today, you know, thinking like, thinking about all of the success that you had with the 2018 midterms, you know, Mm -hmm. what happened after that. And then like, you've had a few years lead on Voice of America. So I'm thinking like, that must be good. Yeah. Yeah. It all adds up. Well, it all should add up to, to good things. So, but I'm just waiting to see the results. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So what's, if you are feeling cautiously good, and I don't want to say that because like, I think we all felt, you know, it's hard for everybody to say, I feel good right now. Like no one can say that, you know, without saying, you know, with a caveat, but what is keeping people at Cricket Media up at night? Like, you know, what are are the little things that people are worried about? Like, oh, this might happen. This might happen. Yeah. You know, the thing I think that's keeping a lot of us up that's happening right in front of our face um, is, is, you know, mostly Donald Trump, but generally Republicans voter suppression efforts. They are not trying to hide what they are trying to do. Um, it's right in front of our face. You know, the Supreme Court decision yesterday, fortunately, will allow um, more votes to be counted in in Pennsylvania. But, you know, there is nothing wrong with if you sent your ballot in on time and it gets in a, a day or two after election day, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can't control the mail. You should have, you know, there should be a cushion there to account for so many people voting by mail. But, you know, what Republicans were doing were they were trying to not let that happen. They were, and they, they haven't tried to hide it. They, in, in so many states across the country, they have sued um, states who have tried to make voting easier, particularly voting by mail. And in a, in a, in a country that values democracy, when we are facing um, a global pandemic that requires us to be away from each other um, and not crowded in election booths, it just seems like you wouldn't be able to get away with saying we want to make it harder to vote. But that is just what they are doing. And there are so many, um, you know, organizations that litigate these cases. And, you know, I'm like forever grateful um, to them. But, uh, you know, I do get concerned because that case a Pennsylvania case that went before the Supreme Court, it was a 4-4 decision. If Republicans have, you know, an extra justice, you know, if they had an extra justice on the bench already, I I really think it would have gone in a different direction. Um, But we know that they are working to confirm someone next week. And that could mean that the election, like some more of these cases continue and it goes to a Supreme Court that gives us a 5-4 decision. And like, what does that mean? And so, you know, there are some things that unfortunately, our, the final decision is beyond our control. We can raise money for the lawyers to do their job and we can show up and we can make our voices heard. Um, but what has happened with our judiciary is uh, one of the biggest consequences of Donald Trump being elected and us not being able to like directly impact who's on the Supreme Court and just the judges in general that are making these decisions before they get to the Supreme Court that is that is the thing that is giving me pause. But one way we can 
push back on that is people voting early. If we just get our votes in early, then they're in and they can be counted on election day and we don't have to wait for more votes to come in. Um, and there's less room for anyone to challenge um, challenge what we hear. So, and, and we've seen that. There are so many articles, a lot of news coming out about early voting records. And even if it ends up being the same turnout as 2016, people voted early. And that is what we need them to do so that we can get those results as soon as possible. And there are less challenges, uh, legal challenges to, to the results. So yes, as yeah, I've gone on long enough. But yes, that is the thing <laughs> that is, like, I'm always thinking about right now. Yeah, you know, I think it's the same thing that's keeping a lot of people up at night, you know, that that same thing, just kind of the unknowns around like, what will the courts do? The ways in which cheating can happen, I think, yeah. just to sum it up really nicely. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen, I think it's because we've seen so much cheating happen up until this point that, you know, you start to wonder, are they just going to keep getting away with it? Um, yeah. But I don't want to plant too many negative seeds, so I will leave it there. Well, it keeps people motivated, right? Yeah. Um, I guess, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because the one thing, you know, one of the things we can do is vote early. And so I hope that, you know, for anyone who's listening, vote. If you haven't voted already, go ahead and fill out your ballot and send it in and just get that off of your hands and then harass a bunch of other people to do the same thing. So you want people to vote early. What else should they be doing in these last few days? Let's say, you know, they've turned in their ballot, they're done and they've got like, you know, 14, 13, 12 more days. How should they use that to be most effective? Yeah. Um, you know, figure out what your comfort level is. Um, you know, <laughs> I would say hop on the phones and in some states, uh, you can actually do literature drops. So for pe- for voters that were not able to reach by phone or by text, uh, you can go pick up literature about the candidates and drop that off at their home so that they can see that and read about the candidates. But also, you know, if you're okay talking to people, um, just calling voters, making sure they have a plan to vote. Um, some people still are deciding between the candidates. I think there's fewer of those. I think there's a lot more people who are deciding whether they're going to vote at all. And we need to reach those people. And then, you know, if you don't want to do that, we you can sign up to send text messages. Phone calls are more effective, but text messages matter too. And if that's what you feel comfortable doing, do that. If you don't want to do any of those things, talk to your family, your friends, and your community members. Talking to strangers is impactful, but we have so much credibility with the people in our lives that it's worth talking to them. Ask them if they have a plan to vote. Ask them if they have any questions about the candidates. And, you know, you can use Vote Save America as a resource to answer any questions. Um, But if you know the answers, go ahead and do that, too. I just, you know, I will forever think about Michigan and close to 11,000 votes determined who won the election there. And so, you know, if if a thousand people talk to 10 people in their life and convince them to vote, you know, a different way or vote at all, we may have seen um, a different result. And, you know, a thousand might sound like, oh, that's, you know, that's a lot to, you know, whatever math you're figuring, that that's a lot to anticipate that that many people would do that. But there there's more than enough of us um, that could actually have conversations with 10 people and, and change the outcome of of an election. You know, I often think about my boss losing in 2014. We lost by about 50,000 votes. Um, mm-hmm. And in a, in a state that has 50 counties and I think like 10 million people, 50,000 is not a lot. There are some conversations that could have happened to, to change that. So um, if you don't want to talk to strangers, I definitely would appeal to everyone to just talk to the people um, in their lives. But for those of you who do want to talk to strangers, um, <laughs> it, you can. Um, we just launched a new page, uh, votesaveamerica.com slash volunteer. 
And we have um, a ton of volunteer opportunities. So you can kind of figure out where you want to volunteer and what you want to do and sign up. We're encouraging people right now to make their get out the vote plan. Um, so those, that's for folks who have already taken care of their voting. And now just making a plan of all the volunteer work you'll do between now and the election. Oh, excellent. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to build your, <laughs> build your own ballot. I have to do that. And then I will go to votetoamerica.com slash volunteer. Yep, is that right? That is yeah. right. Well, Shaniqua, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for all of your hard work on Vote Save America and everything you've done. And just thank you for taking time to talk to me yeah, today. Thank you for having me on. Um, this is great. And, you know, I think you have made a huge sacrifice in leaving your job to dive into this. So <laughs> thank you for all of your work and all the people that you reach. 